with my business, with executive function specialists, as we discussed, the, the, the focus is on helping middle, high school, and college students develop better executive function skills so they can lead happier, productive lives. And parents know a lot, right? Parents know their kids better than anyone. So they're like, look, I can clearly see that my kids are missing assignments or they're struggling to email their teachers or, you know, we're fighting over homework every night. You know, I, I see this issue. I'm not able to solve it by myself. I need help, right? And so naturally, if you start to research, like, how do you deal with those particular issues I just described, executive function support is going to come up. So... That was uh, my mind state in the sixth grade. I go on to brown nose a little bit and tell and uh, I guess chastise future students on how much they should listen to the teachers and follow their directions and write everything down. Uh, but I think it captures the kind of, I guess you could say ethos of my work these days, which is you know, folk, learning how to organize and manage yourself in school is the greatest predictor of success. That's what I think is going to change is that the, the teacher is going to go from being a, a, a giver to more of a facilitator. And that's basically what we focus on in at my business, Executive Function spe Specialist. We're never telling kids what to do. We're asking them questions. Hello and welcome to the Qualified Tutor Podcast the podcast that brings you the latest in the world of tutoring, edtech, and education, and, hopefully, inspires in you the big change that each and every one of us is capable of. Qualified Tutor is an industry-leading tutor training organization and online tutoring community for thousands of tutors around the world. This podcast is the voice of this community, where we aim to hear from tutors, teachers, entrepreneurs, coaches, business experts, students, tutorpreneurs, and more from the world of tutoring about what inspires them every day, how they can help tutors like you, and what they've learned about tutoring along the way. The question is, what will you learn today? Hello and welcome to this episode of the Qualified Tutor Podcast. For those of you who've been following us uh, since our very first episode back in March 2020, this is our 112th episode. For those of you who've just joined us, um, you're, you're 112 episodes deep into the conversation, or at least you've got 112 episodes to go back and look through. Uh, my name is Ludo Miller. I'm the host of this podcast. Um, and a huge welcome today to our guest and fellow podcast host, Sean McCormick. Welcome, Sean, to the Qualified Tutor Podcast. Thank you, Ludo. So, so happy to be here. I appreciate it. It's um, it's, it's great having fellow podcast hosts on. Um, you know, it makes me uh, feel at ease, at least with um, with knowing that the podcasting is something that comes very, very easily to you. Um, last week we chatted to uh, a tutor called Henry Dingle about his style of mindset coaching and mentorship here in the UK, and this week we get the chance to hear from a US-based, a California-based expert on growth mindset and relationship development in students. So uh, without you know, wanting to massage the ego of Sean too much, here's a, here's a brief introduction to Sean so that you listeners can, uh, can get a little sense of, of who Sean is. Sean uh, is the founder of Executive Function Specialists, a friendly, trusted, highly qualified team of educators and educational therapy specialists 
who give students and families the care, confidence they need to improve their family dynamic and therefore their learning too. But don't forget, I mentioned that Sean was also the founder of this wonderful organization, which means he knows a thing or two about business as well. The link to his own uh, very successful podcast, Earn More Tutoring, can be found in the show notes below. It's, it's really, it's your next stop after this if you want to learn more about how to earn more money uh, by tutoring. So that's a little bit about Sean. Uh, we're very, very, truly very glad to have Sean here. He interviewed uh, qualified tutor founder Julia Silva just a few weeks back on his own podcast. So you can go and catch that as well afterwards. Um, but Sean, I gather through much rummaging and searching that you were able to locate a little bit of feedback from your school days, your childhood days. Is that right? That is correct, Ludo. I had to, I had to go. I like the word rummaging because that's the exact description of what happened. But I was, I paused Batman, the new Batman last night and went through this, uh, through this box to find this old document. I've, I'd been cleaning out my files um, recently, trying to get rid of all. I had my mom saved, and bless her heart, saved like four boxes of paperwork, like basically everything I ever completed for school. And I was like, okay, I, I can't drag this around forever. But I went through all of it and did find a few gems in there. And so this is the one that I found that I thought might be interesting to the audience. So when I was a sixth grader at Hall, and I the dates on here was November 21st, 2000. So that was about 22 years ago, which blows my mind. I wrote this essay on, <clears throat> excuse me, how to be successful at Hall, which was the, the name of my, my middle school or my grammar school. And so, so here's just a few sentences from it. Um, I wrote here, you will feel better about yourself if you are organized. You want to be organized because if your locker is covered with papers and is messy, you will be late to your classes. If you are late to classes often, the teacher will think you are not a very organized and serious student. Being organized also means writing down your homework every day and checking the binder reminder before you leave school. If you often forget your homework, the teacher will not like you very much and think you are a student that that and think you are a student that needs help. So that was uh, my mind state in the sixth grade. <laughs> I go on to brown nose a little bit and tell and uh, I guess chastise future students on how much they should listen to the teachers and follow their directions and write everything down. Uh, but I think it captures the kind of, I guess you could say ethos of my work these days, which is, you know, folk, learning how to organize and manage yourself in school is the greatest predictor of success. And it's something that's been validated by my, my research and by also the kind of larger scholarly community that, that self-organization is the key principle to, to academic and, and, you know, vocational career success that you need to be able to organize yourself. So, so I wanted to share that with the audience. Sean, I'm so glad that you shared that particular piece. I think that's a really, it's the first time we've had someone read out an excerpt of an essay. Uh, so congratulations on being the first one there. Previously, it's just been kind of teacher feedback. So I, I think it's a great way to get to know uh, you as a person, you as a guest. I'm, I'm glad that I, I managed to kind of um, locate this as a, as, a, as a segment for opening the, the episodes because they've really revealed some amazing things about our guests. And I think that reveals a lot about you. You know, it, it reveals a lot about how you thought as, as a school kid um, and look where you are now, leading an education organization, supporting, advocating for teachers, making sure that kids are as kind and respectful to teachers um, as you hoped uh, they would be back then. Um, so True, true. 
Yeah. Well, actually, you know, it's, it's, it is, it is funny because basically what I put in that essay is exactly what I try to help students do. I think that, you know, it's, you do want your teachers to like you or at least respect you, right? You have, the teachers are the ones who, who open the doors for students, right? If your teacher's not, is not helping you, like you can, you can have the best grades in the world and you can do everything perfectly in your mind, right? But if you don't build a relationship with your teacher and they don't maybe write you a letter of recommendation or kind of say, hey, you're so good at this, why don't you take this class next year or whatever? That you, the relationships are so important. And I think that gets lost a lot of time in, in academics is kids think, if I just get perfect grades and this and that, then everything will be fine. But then you reach the end of schooling and you haven't built a series of relationships that you can leverage to leapfrog into your next journey. So it's that's something that I think I desired and I've been developing and and but you know it's also something that we try to help students develop right is like you need to leverage your relationships your relationships are the key to your future great line Sean really really powerful line I'd love to now ask as well Sean we often talk about our why and and mm-hmm. it's clear through even the tiniest bit of research around executive function specialists to your business that your mission is at the core of, of what you and your team does. But I'd like to know about more about you, Sean. What is your why? What drives you? That's a great question. It's uh, something I'm constantly trying to understand fully myself. You know, I think with my business, with executive function specialists, as we discussed, the, the, the focus is on helping middle, high school, and college students develop better executive function skills so they can lead happier, productive lives. And that's based on the research that shows that kids with better organizational skills are more productive, have better life outcomes, have better career success, marital success, all types of things. But my personal why I think is, you know, it's, I guess it's kind of trying to find my light, you know, and like what, what drives me forward so I can share that with other people. And I think with executive function, this work around helping students, I found, I found a big piece of my light, you know, I was like, oh, this really helps kids. Like I'm, I'm helping kids. I'm serving them. They're getting better grades. They're feeling better about school. And so that was, that is a big, big why, but I think my personal why is service, right? It's, it's like, you know, part of, you know, my podcast is called earn more tutoring because I wanted to figure out like, how can I build a career for myself and, and, you know, not have to depend on a school district and their decisions around what's best for a student every time I want to help someone. Right. So, but I think when it, when it comes down to it, it's like, how can I best serve the world and my family and, and myself in a sense, what, what gives, gives me the most joy? Because if, if you're finding out what gives you the most joy and impacts the world most effectively, then, then you're doing the best for everybody, right? It's you kind of, if you turn your light on, you're turning other people's light on. So I think that's my why is kind of the endless and eternal search to, to discover how I can be most uh, impactful and positive in this world with my short, short time. And it's a continuous journey, isn't it? You, every day you're adding to that. It's not a kind of static why, a static objective. Right. Yeah. It evolves. Right. So, I mean, before, you know, I think the first like, you know, development and I mean, it's been developing, you know, it was here in sixth grade, right. I was like trying to help myself and other kids (laughs) organize, but as you, as you tap into your actual gift, you know, in one of my podcast guests, guests, he described it as Ikigai. It's a Japanese concept where it's like, what am I good at? What does the world need? 
what will, what will people pay for and what do I enjoy doing? Like that intersection of where, where your, I guess, offering falls in the middle of all that. And when you, when you're kind of approaching what you do on a daily basis and trying to hit on all those things to some degree, then you just naturally, I mean, we talked about this a bit, you attract people because you're tuning into what you like and what you feel competent and skilled at, and you're attracting people. And I mean, I think Qualified Tutor is a major inspiration for me, what you guys do, because you're, you know, the Love Tutoring Festival, like there's love at the core of it, right? You're, you're trying to attract, and clearly it is already doing that. You're attracting people who love tutoring and want to figure out how to make it their, maybe their full-time gig. I bet a lot of them are part-time teachers, but they really want to focus on maybe one way of teaching something or one specific thing. So it evolves, right? You know, it started with just my business, you know, just uh, teaching students. And then I began to hire other people who wanted to do that and became this beautiful business executive function specialist. And then from there, I created the course, become an online executive function specialist. So other people in the world could develop those skills and impact students. So, and it's always evolving, right? I don't know where I'll be in five years or even a year, you know, as far as professionally. Um, so I think that's, that's the beauty of it is that it's never static. Like you said. So, if this, you mentioned something there about if your light is turned on, then you're turning on the lights of others around you. You're, you're sparking that learning. Is this partly why do you think then that, that you've focused on coaching teens and parents too? Why, why the focus on parents as well? Yeah, well, I think it starts with the parents in the sense that parents come to you, right? Kids aren't typically unless they're very precocious, they're not typically searching for an executive function coach. Their parents are searching for it. So it starts with the parents and parents know a lot, right? The parents know their kids better than anyone. So they're like, look, I can clearly see that my kid's missing assignments or they're struggling to email their teachers or, you know, we're fighting over homework every night. You know, I, I see this issue. I'm not able to solve it by myself. I need help. Right. And so naturally if you start to research, like, how do you deal with those particular issues I just described, executive function support is going to come up. It might be, it might be described as study skills or organization coaching or something else, but the term I've found most commonly used in the education industry is executive function support. So parents first need to actually just understand like what that is, like what is executive function support? And it's helping kids develop those competencies in areas like task, you know, task uh, initiation, um, proactive communication, prioritization, um, you know, not, not spending all day on YouTube or playing video games when you have a big assignment coming up or avoiding things. It's things we all deal with in our life, but kids have it hard right now, man. They've got a lot of distractions. You know, it's, it's different for them. Adults do too, but they are really swamped with it. So it takes, it takes some serious understanding of how to support kids in this particular moment in time and help them get back to being successful. Um, which is what they're naturally predisposed to do. So you have to help parents understand that first and foremost. And when the parents understand it, then they can become raving fans for it. You know, they they can become advocates for these types of supports. And so when they're bought in, then you can go to the kid and be like, hey, your parents are on board with this. Let me tell you what we have to offer. And most kids, unless there's just a another big issue, once they once they realize like you can help them make their life so much easier by just like using the tools that are at their disposal. Like most kids are using Google, but they don't know you can create a task list. You can drag your tasks into calendar. You can set up email templates. Like a lot of kids just don't know these things. And so they're kind of like, 
even though they have all the tools, they don't know how to use the tools that are at their disposal. So I think it's it's the combination of supporting the parents, helping them understand, and then teaching the kids, and then working with both and right and like actually educating both around how do we develop enhanced executive function skills so that parents aren't nagging their kids. Kids don't feel like they have to fight their parents or hide and sneak YouTube time. Like you want to create this kind of balance in the family where everyone feels heard and knows there's a plan. And so that's what we facilitate is that process of helping everybody get on the same page about the plan, setting up those goals, and then you know, working towards results or tweaking the process if, if we need to. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a family process in a sense. And, and when did you, when do you think you first realized that? Have you always known that that's what executive function meant or is that something that's come to you over the course of, of your years in, in the field? Yeah, well, I think the the reason I discovered this process, I guess you could say, it was already there, but it was, but I was a public school special education teacher, an education specialist. So I worked in a public school, and I tended to gravitate towards the most challenging students. Right? It was just like the you know those were the jobs that were most available because most people burned out on it and didn't want to do it. Right? So that was what I gravitated towards, and I, I found myself working in a classroom that was focused on kids who, who, um, for some reason or another, the public school system had not worked for them. So the, the public school system was either bringing them back from a residential treatment program, or they were trying to prevent them from having to go to residential treatment program. And a little background on that, like public schools in, I'm, I'm not sure of the exact rules in, in um, Europe or in, in the UK, but in the United States, if a public school cannot serve the needs of a student, they are required by law to pay for the right placement. So this was costing the public school district and taxpayers hundreds of thousands, if not close to millions of dollars a year. And it's happening all over the country. So they need really specialized classrooms that can support students instead of sending them to these residential treatments. So I had the privilege of helping build one of those and being the the lead teacher for it. And in that process, sometimes we needed to actually work with another agency which, used, which did things called um, family team meetings. So that's where you actually get the parents to come and show up. It's different from the IEP meeting in that it's more frequent, right? It happens every month. So we had, we had parents, a lot of parent interaction and, and a lot of parent meetings with the students and basically building consensus around goals. And so I took that process that I utilized that had such a big impact on students who the district had in some, some capacities given up on or didn't know how to serve and I applied that in a private setting. So I, I took that process. I kind of, you know, bro- I broke it into our five-step process to uh, support students and families with executive function challenges. And it works magic. You know, when you get the parents involved, you get the student involved, you set clear goals and you check in frequently and problem solve around any hiccups in the process. It works magic. I mean, it's something, it's like it's missing from education in a sense. It's the, what do, you, what do they say? The dark horse of, of education is that it actually... There is a process that works for kids who are really struggling. And so this is it. <laughs> this is one of them. There's other ones, I'm sure, but this is one of them. And so my, my process in my business really developed from that experience, that transformational experience for students and families who had in some capacity or in some sense lost hope in the, in the education system. I think that's, that's the noblest of missions in education, isn't it? Um, and, and it's striking to hear that, that you 
realize that you were gravitating towards those those tricky cases those cases where the school system didn't fit the child's way of learning i think that's 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 massive that really is um would you say that i mean how do you think the education sorry the executive function field has has changed since you first started because you've been in the game for 10 15 years now yeah, so I think I think the change I'm starting to notice is that it's being brought more to the forefront of education. Uh, big shout out to Seth Perler. He's you know he's really brought it to the forefront of education, and his work has been very inspiring. Um, Adele Diamond, for example, she uh, Doctor Adele Diamond, excuse me, she has done a some some extensive research on what helps kids with executive function as well as what. Um, what is what about executive function is important. And so that research is is coming to the surface and it's being spread by influencers um, like myself or Seth Perler or other educators. And so, you know, the big things that come out of that research that we're we're starting to understand is that executive function, executive function skills are the greatest predictor of school success and readiness for kids that have not entered school. So it's not like one of her studies, peer-reviewed study across, you know, different, different, um, uh, like scientific peers, you know, you can find this on our website. If you Google Dr. Adele Diamond, she found that, um, entry level reading and math scores are not as predictive of long-term school success as executive function skills. So this research that's kind of being spread through the community that neuropsychologists are tapping into, and then also making recommendations around, it's getting more and more influential. And, so I think it's like, in a sense, it's just hitting the the kind of community at this time, but it's also, I think it's going to reshape education in that we're going to have to start focusing on organizational skills and goal setting and teaching kids effective goal setting and taking more of an ownership of their goals and what they want out of education um, than just trying to, you know, make sure they're the best reader or the best mathematician. Because you hear it all the time from kids, right? They get out of school and they're like, why didn't my teacher teach me how to do taxes? Or why didn't my teacher, you know, uh, all we did was read, you know, this, you know, whatever, uh, you know, 18th century novel, but like, I didn't learn all these skills. And so this is the key, right? This is the key that we have to help kids set their own goals. So they feel um, driven and motivated and invested in their education. And so I only see it getting bigger, I guess, is my, my main point. <laughs> okay. So that's, you only see it getting bigger. Perhaps, you know, some teachers would let you get away with that answer, Sean, but I'm not going to. <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you mean by that? How, how will it change over yeah. the next Okay, well, yeah, let me, thank you. I appreciate you, you asking for, <laughs> for me to go a little deeper there. So I think, I think what we're going to see, um, my prediction, is that we're going to see from the start of uh, education that, that teachers and systems are going to start requiring their kids to be more bought in and to develop goals. I think, you know, we, we're already seeing in a lot of classrooms worldwide, we're seeing teachers saying, you choose your grade and tell me why you earned it. And, and I, I see this, I see this already. I see teachers to ask me, it's what do you think your grade is and why? Cause they're like, look, I don't want to, you know, I, you know, the old ways of grading are someday somewhat outdated with all the neurodiversity in education, right? It's like, you can't just, you can't just give one standard and expect every kid to meet that standard exactly the same, right? Everyone's going to have a different way of expressing their intelligence, right? You know, we see it all the time. People who are extremely successful in the real world, right? Uh, 
they might have failed certain things. I mean, we know Einstein, I think he failed math or whatever, and he, he didn't even do a lot of his own math, right? He was actually having his assistants do the math and he was just theorizing and kind of coming up with approaches. So, so I think that's what's going to change is that you're going to see a lot more professional development around helping kids, helping teachers help kids set goals and track their own progress, self-monitor their progress. And it's going to lead to a lot of more interest-based education because kids are going to be, they're going to be encouraged to set goals and kind of self-monitor and self-choose activities and things. And the teachers are going to be more, more like facilitators rather than information givers, depositors of information on kids. So um, Salvador Khan, uh, who invented uh, Khan Academy, he wrote a book called The One World Classroom. And that was very influential as I was building my business because he talks about how classrooms are going to change. They're probably a lot, a lot of them are going to go to more online formats. And then kids are going to come in less frequently to discuss their learnings and their progress and set goals with a skilled facilitator, with basically an executive function coach. So it's going to be less of the sit and get where kids just, uh, their teachers just deliver, you know, here's how the battle of Gettysburg happened. And, you know, here's the play-by-play. And it's going to be more about um, educators who can facilitate students aspiring, setting goals, monitoring their progress, and moving towards what the student believes is the greatest value. And I think it's also going to be more, um, it's going to be more focused on problem solving around uh, like community issues, right? Like we, we, we know that when we give students tasks to problem solve in their communities to actually make an impact, to be of service to their community, that students are more motivated, they're more engaged, the results are more useful, they feel, they feel more bought in because they're solving something IRL in real life. And so uh, that, that's what I think is going to change is that the, the teacher is going to go from being a, a, a giver to more of a facilitator. And that's basically what we focus on in, at my business, executive function spe- specialists. We're never telling kids what to do. We're asking them questions, right? Solution-focused questioning. We're saying, hey, I noticed that you have this many assignments that are due tonight. Which one do you think you should start with, right? Because kids are motivated when they're bought in and when you're asking them questions rather than when you tell them what to do. You disempower them when you tell them what to do, but you empower them when you allow them to make executive decisions around their their problems or the things that they need to find solutions for. So you want to see educators living that style of, of that, that approach more? Yeah. I mean, I want to see, I think it's like, if you think back at who your favorite teachers were, right? It wasn't the person who had probably the best information, right? They just could, it was the person who inspired you most, right? And ask yourself, like, what what inspired you about that? They were probably curious about you to some degree, right? I imagine, I mean, I'm going to ask you, Ludo, like, who is your favorite teacher? What do you remember about your favorite teacher? I think... My favorite teacher was Madame Lincoln, a French teacher, when I was probably 11 years old, who told me that learning languages wasn't just learning banks of words. It was getting to know the culture behind a mm. language. Um, so she kind of taught me how to do that um, mm. while also teaching the rest of the class. It was, it was amazing. Mm. What kind of stuff did she do that, that helped you like basically get to know the culture? That's really interesting. I think I was most interested in French 
in the class. So I, I asked her questions, you know, as we were completing a, an, a, an assignment in class, I'd sort of turn to her and whisper, you know, an extra question I had on top of what we were studying. And she just didn't mind that at all. She didn't, she didn't shut me down or tell me that we had to just stick to the, to the task she'd set. She, she answered those questions and she inspired that, that interest that she saw a clear interest in me as to what languages could tell you about a country, a people, a culture, beyond just learning what the words are and how to put them together. And I don't think if, if she hadn't been my teacher at that age, I don't think I would have understand what French could do for me in, in discovering the world. Um, so I think just that openness and that, that ability to spot a genuine interest in one, two, ten students in a class, it, it doesn't matter how many, but there will always be a certain proportion of the class in whatever subject who has a genuine interest that you can see goes beyond just the curriculum. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just seeing, I wish people could see this because I know this is going to be audio, but like your, your whole posture and your expression, like you're smiling right now, you lit up, right? Like when you just thinking about that person who encouraged your curiosity and you wanted to ask questions, you wanted to know more. Right. And so that's where I think we're going, right. Is we need, we need to train educators um, on how to, to inspire curiosity rather than just give information we need to we need to train them and help them develop the skill sets to inspire curiosity and inquiry based approach in my business we call it solution focused questioning like helping them figure out a way to the solution or a way to obtain things so sounds like uh madame what was her last name madame lincoln Shout out to Madame Lincoln. Um, she definitely, she definitely had those those strong executive function skills. <laughs> Absolutely, and and of course, you know, I have never ever spoken about her like I just did then. I've, I've, I've obviously thought about Madame Lincoln the way that she uh, approached teaching and thought that you know that's a good way of doing it. But I don't think we stop often enough to think about those things. Um, so. You're clearly a very good teacher, Sean. What you've just made me do there is reflect back on my own learning, the sort of metacognitive skills that we uh, we seek to teach our, our students. Um, so, I mean, do you have a favorite teacher that sticks out then? I definitely do. So shout out to uh, Robert Winkler. Um, he was, he was a, a great teacher. So he was my, let's see, he was my, I think both sophomore and junior year of high school. So my second and third year of high school, he was our English teacher. And, you know, he was first and foremost, he was just an amazing storyteller. Um, so he just, he just captured, he understood what it was like to be a kid. And he told great stories about his adventures, you know, as a kid and things like that. But the other thing he did really well was he was really good at project-based learning. So he would have us he would so he would set a goal, right? Or he'd say, hey, like, hey, here's here's where we're working. How can you express this, right? Like, okay, we we just read this chapter of Lord of the Flies, or whatever. How do you, how can you express your knowledge? So he wouldn't say you have to write an essay or you have to do a poem or you have to make a collage. He would ask us to express our learning in the way that was unique to our expressive capabilities. And I think I think that flexibility around learning how to demonstrate your knowledge inspired me a lot to, to move towards teaching as a tool to help kids open up. Right. He, he was able to do that by one being vulnerable by telling his own stories and expressing, you know, things he had gone through in a, in a kind of creative and poetic way, 
but then he was also um, really good at allowing kids to develop their own expressive capabilities in the way that they felt best. Um, so that's something that, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, in, I'm just thinking of in the way that it connects to the work we do is that when you want to help a kid reach out to the teacher, you can help them with the format, like, Hey, this is typically how an email is wrote, but then you let them express their ideas, right? You want to, you want to help them convey what they, what they want to say, because that's going to have the biggest impact. And that's going to create the bridge between them and the teacher to have a kind of a transformational relationship. If you are listening to this, I urge you wherever you are to, to, to think back on that teacher to the Madame Lincoln, the Robert Winkler, to think about how you can be that. There's no pressure, I think, as an educator to be that teacher for every single student you work with. That's too great a, a, a goal to achieve. But see if there are ways in which you can um, inspire kids that you work with to so, so that they look back on your um on the days that they spent with you if not as the best teacher they've ever had at least as a teacher who continued that journey for them um sean i think you've you've inspired me to 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 think about that more i hope uh, you listening i hope you have been inspired at least to some degree by what sean says you can tell that he's a natural leader a natural educator um and, and i'm very um I feel very honoured that, that Sean, you've, you've been able to join us on this podcast for, for a slightly longer episode. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. I would hate to, to cut you short uh, on anything you've been mentioning there. Just on something that Sean mentioned there, short of inviting Robert Winkler onto the podcast to talk about project-based learning and, and inspiring kids through, through, through play and on-hands uh, learning, um, we chatted to a Canadian educator called Reuven Zalmona just, just two episodes ago. So uh, that's a whole conversation about project-based learning and, and, and inspiration um, for kids. So go and check out that episode after this as well. And now a quick word from last week's guest, Henry Dingle. Yes, yeah, so it's brilliant, 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 brilliant to be part of the Qualified Tutor podcast. Um, and I, I learned, I suppose, that I have more to offer than I realized, to be totally honest. Um, it was amazing to be given this platform to share my experience. I loved being with Ludo and answering his perfect questions. And I would say to anyone who's going to be on the podcast, yeah, to really relish the opportunity. You know, it's a, it's a real honor to be given this platform to speak on. Um, it made me feel part of an industry, part of a community. You know, I think we can all as tutors feel kind of like outliers. But, you know, Qualified Tutor is really addressing that with this podcast. So, yeah, it's a great opportunity. Enjoy. Sean, we're just drawing to a close here, but I have one final question for you. Um, and that is, what's next for you? What's next for Sean McCormick? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I think my my primary focus is on continuing to develop and enhance my business executive function specialist. So we've got a great thing going. I've got an amazing team of educators who are able to help kids with executive function challenges. So just continuing to, to tweak and fine tune that process so that it delivers the best results for our, our customers. Um, that's, that's something I'm, I'm always focused on trying to figure out. I think the other, the other thing that I'm thinking about is the course that I've, I've created called Becoming an Online Executive Function Specialist. So I use that to train 
incoming team members, but also to share that with the larger education community so that other educators um, or professionals who want to become an online executive function specialist have the foundation um, of skill set. So, so I think those are the two things I, I focus most of my time on um, because it just, it's, I, I believe it's impacting the education community. And on a personal note, um, just being a family man. So I have another daughter due in August. I've got, I've got one amazing daughter and then another one due in August. So, uh, focusing on being the best dad that I can be and, uh, you know, supporting my wife as she, uh, she goes through this amazing process together. Um, so those are, those are the big things that kind of create my, my universe. Uh, so just focusing on, on all those. Sean, you've created an amazing way for myself and you listeners to connect with you. Um, if you want to find out more about Sean, uh, efspecialists.com is a very good place to start. Uh, and you can find the course on there very easily on the navigation bar. Alternatively, earnmoretutoring.com is Sean's podcast. If you're into podcasts or if this is your first podcast, you've got so many more to explore. Um, we didn't quite get into what that whole venture is about for you, Sean, but um, I'm sure we can bring you back on uh, to explore that. I just, I can't end this without saying the next time you can hear Sean speak, uh, at least in a QT sense, will be at the Love Tutoring Festival 3 this coming June uh, as part of an executive function roundtable, obviously very apt, uh, alongside UK-based Kate King and, and Amy Smith who both spoke at uh, the previous festival in January of, of this year. So uh, Sean will be speaking, uh, which is a very um, uh, a great addition to the festival, uh, along with a host of uh, other amazing speakers uh, across the five days. Um, so uh, that's a next uh, date for your diary. Um, but Sean, thank you so much uh, for giving up your time. I know it's just... Uh, the day is just getting started with you over in California. It's coming towards the end of my day. So I hope that's uh, inspired you for the rest of the day and, and this week. Absolutely, Ludo. Thank you so much for making time um, and also inviting me to be on this podcast. I'm honored. I'm so, so, so inspired by Qualified Tutor and everything you're doing to shape um, what tutoring looks like globally. And it's just, it's, it's an absolute honor and privilege to be here speaking with you today, um, for, you know, based on everything that you and Julie and your team have done to, to basically change the world for kids for the better. So, so thank you. Um, and I, I look forward to, uh, staying in touch. Thank you very much, Sean. You've been an absolutely amazing guest uh, and we'll see all of you dear listeners. Thank you for listening. We'll see you all next time. Cheerio then, Sean. Right, see y'all later. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Qualified Tutor Podcast. Whether you're a regular listener of this podcast or you've just stumbled across it, join the Qualified Tutor Podcast group within the Qualified Tutor community to stay up to date with our latest news, offers, workshops, and of course, simply to meet other tutors like you. Whatever your level as a tutor, our training courses will be the next step in your professional development. Visit qualifiedtutor.org training to find out more about our CPD accredited and Ofqual recognised courses, the first of their kind in the tutoring industry. Your student deserves the best tutor possible. Make that happen today by joining Qualified Tutor.